This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. By the book on BFM 89.9. Hello everybody, you're listening to By the Book. I'm Sharmila Ganesan and as always with me, my fellow lover of Malaysian tales, Lee Chui Lin. Hello. And uh, we're very excited because today we have yet another Malaysian writer for you. Uh, this time, uh, the writer of an anthology of short stories, Paul Nyaniselvam. And his anthology, which is called The Elephant Trophy and Other Stories, came out late last year. So we thought this would be um, a good time to catch up with Paul about the book and about his writing in general. Paul, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for the invite, uh, Sharmila and Trilin. Good to see you guys. So let's start with... Um, well, the, the book itself, but I was curious about what the time period was in which you wrote these stories, because uh, there are a number of them and they vary in tone and, and, and mood and all of that. This is a collection of 18 short stories. So some were published, some have not been published, and uh, they were written over a period of 10 years, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, these are stories that I've collected between 2013 right up to 2020. Um, of course, some were published, some had been reworked, and um, some were created probably in 2018 or 2019. Um, so I suppose 10 years. And I was yeah. wondering if you could give us a sense actually of uh, which were some of the earlier stories, which were some of the latest stories, and whether you've been able to kind of track your own progress through putting this collection together and go, oh, look at me, you know, developing right. as a writer. <laughs> Uh, Komlam and the Market Women, which is a first story in the book, that was written actually in 2011 and it made an appearance. It was published in the Journal of Arts and Literature, a literary journal. Um, Jose Wargis is the editor for that journal. Yeah, And uh, I think some of the older stories would be uh, stories like Shooting the Breeze that was written in 2011 and 2012. Uh, the rest, like The Ride, was written in 2014, which came out in Fixie's anthology, uh, Kel Noir Yellow. And um, some of the other stories, like Masalode, was published in uh, 2020, another Fixie's anthology that was published in 2020. Some of the other stories, like Selama and the Curried Prawns, that was written in 2016. And I think they have all had a very consistent progress probably like year by year or one, uh, probably. I think that's a progress of me as a writer. I think we rewrite and we produce stories, right, consistently. And uh, these are the stories that has actually come up in 10 years. What draws you to writing short stories in particular? <laughs> this will be funny because I think I failed at a novel. <laughs> All right, Um Short stories, because I think they deliver the messages straight and I think they packed a lot of punch within a given word limit. And I think that uh, you're able to explore uh, greater, wider themes and you're also looking at the compactness of language. I think it helps, uh, it actually attracts me to basically uh, experiment with different themes, different stories at different themes at different times and different contexts rather than a novel, which is a very longitudinal process, I feel. So uh, rather than looking at a longitudinal process, a long piece of writing, uh, the short story allows me to address 
different things, different plots, different characters, and different themes in different time and context. To me, that makes writing vibrant. Uh, probably it lends a hand to the dynamism of storytelling, at least for me. New things are cropping up, new issues are cropping up. There are new things that I want to address and there are new things that I want to experiment. So how would you describe yourself as a writer? Myself as a writer? I think in, in the beginning, I have been a very, how would you say, very <laughs> culture-centric writer. I felt that at one point of time, I felt that I only want to write about Indian issues and Indian stories. And I limited my characters to Indian characters and Tamil characters. Uh, eventually, I found that, um, of course, living in a country like Malaysia, in a plural society, we are definitely not cocooned within our communities. We are definitely linked to the outside world. There are a lot of issues, external issues and internal issues that are intertwined. And uh, I have begun to basically see myself as a Malaysian writer. As the years progress, I still speak from the Indian point of view, from a very Tamil-centric community. But then again, I do invite the worldview of non-Tamils and non-Indians to blend into my writing. Okay, this is what I read from a lot of comments that I get. I tell stories very subtly. Um, I used to take a very indirect approach to telling stories, to addressing issues in my stories. <laughs> but I suppose as I matured into, uh, as a writer and into writing, um, I probably think that I have grown up into um, a matured, a bolder storyteller where probably I bring out issues straightforward and I want to address more issues like that. And I'm very, very uh, social-centric about my writing and uh, I always believe that I want betterment in society betterment at the individual level, at the community level, uh, where people can be better interconnected with each other. Yeah. So much that um, I think we want to pick up on from that answer. But I oh, wanted to yeah, first ask, <laughs> um, but I wanted to first ask just to understand where your writing comes from, who some of your influences are. I did literature in UK, I mean, probably, sorry, 1995 to 1998. That was my first exposure to... Chaos Maniam. He is definitely uh, uh, probably the father to my literary world. And I must really thank uh, my university lecturer, Dr. Fadila American, for exposing us to Chaos Maniam. And there is one particular book of Chaos Maniam's, which is in a far country, that talks about migration, that talks about his grandmother, that talks about settlement, that talks about the, 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 the cultural depiction, the Tamil Indian cultural depiction in English language. And that actually just blew my mind because I've never read works by other Malaysian Indians until I went to university. And the, 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 the tapestry, the, the, the richness in which uh, the whole literary work was woven into all that was very real to me. All that influenced me. And uh, probably there is a time I actually took literature seriously. And the idea and the theme that encapsulated the book, identity, where do you belong? 
are you inside a circle or outside a circle? Kesmaniam loves to use these concepts when he talks about identity. Um, all that struck me, and probably I suppose that opened my third eye. All right. Um, again, a lot of questions were answered for me as who am I? What am I? And how did diaspora bring me here? What does it mean to belong to a community? What does it mean to be, to be a Malaysian? All right, these are all, of course, uh, literature students ask these questions. So from KF Maniam, I progressed to R.K. Narayan, uh, another prolific, uh, I think, South Indian writer. His Malgudi days and him creating this whole great utopia of Tamil culture, again, blending in in a very Tamil-centric, culture-centric writing in English. They were beautiful. And finally, I suppose the Big Bang for my, for real-world literature, uh, probably, okay, I won't say real-world literature, literature outside Malaysia, that still stage around India, I suppose, came, number one, when I read The House for Mr. Biswas by V.S. Naipaul, again, it worked into me, and definitely Arundhati Roy's The God of Small Things. Um, I think it changed the way I looked at the literary world, and uh, definitely it changed the way how I put myself within the realms of these literary works, and how I began to identify with the themes, with the characters, with the, with the writings and things like that. We're speaking with Paul Nyanaselvam, who is the author of uh, The Elephant Trophy and Other Stories. It's an anthology of short stories. Let us know, have you read it? Um, do you enjoy Malaysian short stories? You can WhatsApp us, 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, or write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. Bringing fresh meaning. BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're listening to Buy the Book with Sharmila and Lynn. And today we're joined by writer Paul Nyanaselvam. And we're speaking about his anthology of short stories, which is called The Elephant Trophy and Other Stories. Uh, and Paul, to pick up on our conversation, so um, I said I had a lot to ask about the, the way in which you convey the stories. And I wanted to pick up on one specific thing that stood out for me. You write so vividly about place and atmosphere. And um, there's a, there's a great love for detail in your writing. How do you actually capture these? Where do they come from? To a certain extent, I believe that writers are simply observant beings. And I don't travel much because I only travel to places I like, places that make me comfortable. And uh, when I go to places, I have to sit down, I have to get a coffee. At least, I mean, I'm watching the crowd or doing something or talking. I think the things that happen around me is very important to me. And I also like places that have big windows. So when I, whenever I'm reserving hotel rooms, I look for windows. <laughs> and probably this is where, Sharmila, I think either it's crowd watching or probably even if you're in a restaurant, you're looking at how people around you are conversing. And you're probably looking at how the waiters are probably even looking at you when they lay the food on the table. And I like this observation. And to me, stories start from places. Places are very important to me because I think they provide the context for the stories. Like, for example, there was this one day when I actually walked into a classroom and I asked my students in the academic writing classroom, how would you describe the color of a lady's finger flower? And to my dismay, I think I had about 68 students in the class and not one of them had actually seen 
a lady's finger flower. So when I say there's a sense of fluorescence in the colouring of a lady's finger flower, that yellow and the deep dark brown hollow that it holds and all that, the students were like, no, 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 we can't relate to this. I think place is very important where you definitely need to feel the aura of the story and you definitely need to observe what is happening around you. And from there, and I think to me, stories are simply born from such places because people are real, aura is real, and the dynamisms that are actually taking place in those places, that pushes me uh, actually to write stories. And coming back to my lady's finger flower, I came back and I planted a lady's finger flower and I took it to the classroom <laughs> and I told them, okay, now you're right. <laughs> I think that is how places become significant. Even simple conversations with strangers, they can give you clues to write a story or to blend into your story. I think, again, in a place, the smell, the colours, right, uh, the noise, all right, all these senses appeal to me in a place. And though sometimes I believe that I want to limit this description of places, <laughs> um, even, I mean, I'm a writer, sometimes I doubt if I'm overdoing <laughs> it. <laughs> but uh, I suppose that's how stories talk to me. The other thing uh, that we wanted to pick up on was the language, you know, aside from the sense of place, uh, the, the dialogue, the way in which people speak, you mentioned dynamism, and I think that, that extends also to the ways in which people relate to one another within the stories. Mm -hmm. um, was it important to you to convey how different kinds of Malaysians might speak, uh, whether, you know, to one another or, you know, think to themselves, things like that? <laughs> All right. I go to the Buntong market to buy fish. <laughs> that is my weekend chore. I, I do marketing. I go to the Buntong market and I usually follow my mom and sometimes, oh no, sorry, my mom follows me. Sometimes my sisters follow me. And guess what? In a lot of instances, my mom and my sisters have told me off for being so formal in my language when I talk to the fishmonger, <laughs> when I talk to the vegetable sellers, when I tell them thank you, when I tell them good evening. Because, I, and definitely, I, fish, of course, I suppose the fishmongers and vegetable sellers appreciate it. But definitely, that's not the language that you use. All right? And definitely, when I, when I drop my formal um, language and I start talking to them informally, more often than not, I think they become friendlier, they become more chatty, and um, I feel that they're able to express themselves better. I think, I, th uh, rather, I, I think language is so important in that sense, in that context, that the connectivity is, that is established. So again, when I write stories, I want to retain that originality with my characters. Like, for example, <laughs> when your good friend is drunk, after clubbing, the whole language structure just changes. The vocabulary changes, right? And uh, so, so the next morning he speaks in a different way. So I think if you are, if, if I'm going to write about a character who is drunk, all right. So I suppose that interchangeability uh, has to be depicted. So I suppose the originality, the credibility for the character is built in that way. So sometimes when I'm talking about certain people in a certain context, I do change the language. 
and um, yeah, again, it depends on um, the character, construct, uh, uh, constructing the character and making them credible and believable. Yeah, I think this is why um, if you see that the quality of language changes, sometimes I deliberately, uh, because I also find that I have a lot, I teach a lot of, of course, I teach Chinese students and, and being in Malaysia and being Malaysian, we cannot escape from first and second language transitions. So we have a lot of students from Chinese schools who have studied Chinese language. When they write English, they just translate and the structure remains. So that is another cue of how people probably speak when they use Manglish. So that's probably the reason why I retain certain aspects of language in a certain aspect of ways when I write short stories. So even though your stories um, can often be a very slice of life, very everyday, um, or even just about small moments of people's uh, experiences, there is usually an undercurrent of politics in many of them. What are some of the issues or themes that interest you? Um, what do you want to convey? Malaysia is rife for political upsettings. All right. Now, when I say political upsettings, Malaysians are a great bunch of people, very nice people. All right. But, I, but again, I think uh, there are undertones that upset everyday people's lives about everyday other people. And you can't run away from that. So I think I feel that in a way that because I'm writing from a very community centric uh, point of view of looking at things. Um, so you probably can't run away from uh, the deep, these deep-seated political issues that sometimes I want to tackle, but sometimes I indirectly want to include so that it creates awareness or it creates an understanding about me, where I come from, what am I uh, through my characters. Like, for example, 2020, of course, the issues between halal and haram is a, it's, it's very big in Malaysia. All right, and uh, do we actually have clear guidelines about haram and halal? And, and cultural appropriation of halalizing your masala wade. <laughs> and again, this whole thing doesn't stop with politics or religious issues. It actually moves on to a bigger macro honor where money is involved, where economy is involved. The thing is, who wants to buy masala wade? From Rajama, if you were to go in to have a brand called Haram and Halal imposed on it. So we are talking about, again, survivability. We are talking again about identity. Um, again, we are talking about the dynamism of survival of different races in Malaysia. Um, so probably um, I feel that you, as a Malaysian, you don't run away from political undertones. Um, and because short stories and because literature reflects real life, and um, this is how I basically discuss everyday life in my works. And I think they are important that, that, that to, to create an awareness, to know about my world, and especially if you're on a diaspora. This is something that I'm always interested in when it comes to short story collections, which is the order that they're decided upon. Because it feels to me like it's an album, right? And you're talking about what <laughs> songs you listen to, how people um, are eased into the collection. Was this something that was also important to you in putting together, um, you know, the whole 
book, what considerations did you make? I wasn't really aware of uh, coming up with themes and sub-themes. But what happened was when I was writing the synopsis to pitch <laughs> the letter to Penguin. So I felt that, um, all right, I better do, uh, I better clump them together, all right, and uh, put them according to thematic, uh, to, to get, uh, to, according to a thematical order and all that. Um, so that's how the stories got arranged, I think. So some were political, some were social, some were economical, and some had to do with identities of gender, um, identities of nationality and things like that. So I did not probably deliberately do this, but the, the order of the stories were actually uh, done for the publisher. But I suppose the publisher found it okay, so they did not disturb the order either. <laughs> Paul, we're nearly out of time, but um, I just wanted to know what we'll be seeing next from you. Okay, I think, again, short stories. Um, I have, um, actually, I also started writing poetry, but just like the novel, poems are too short. <laughs> poem is too long and, sorry, novels are too long, poems are too short. Um, so I will most probably stick on to short stories and I will write more on short stories but again uh, I think I would also still be very community centric and I will be bringing in a lot more Malaysians and Malaysian idiosyncrasies and Malaysian issues into the short stories um, but I'm also interested in writing something that is more related to gender and the involvement of gender and um Probably I will be writing such stories in the future. Paul, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you. We've been speaking with Paul Nyaneselvam, who is the author of The Elephant Trophy and Other Stories, an anthology of uh, short fiction. And uh, let us know if you've read it. Are you a fan of local short stories? Uh, send us your favourites. You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. us to footnotes where we usually review the book that we've just talked about and that of course is The Elephant Trophy and Other Stories by Paul Nyana Selvam. Um, so it is an anthology of short stories, right? Which means that uh, reviewing it is particularly interesting because you're both simultaneously reviewing individual pieces as well as the overall feel. Um, Lynn, I'll let you get started with um, what your takeaways were. So um, I found that Overall, as a reading experience, and I think this came through in our interview with Paul, there are a lot of themes that I really enjoyed the exploration of, which is to say, um, I really liked how there was a real sense of place, particularly of Perak, actually, uh, more so than I think KL, a real sense of like people's homes, of people's experiences, of where they are, the sights and smells and, and things that permeated that. I really enjoyed the uh, exploration of what it feels like to not necessarily be on the winning side um, or to not necessarily be have dealt a winning hand from an early age and of having to work through that. And I enjoyed how some 
so I enjoyed how in some instances that was actually quite a subtle exploration. It wasn't very in your face. Um, now, having said all that, I think as a whole, when it comes to the anthology, there were some stories that were much more successful than others. Yes, I agree with that. I think overall what Paul does very well in almost all of his stories is create a very vivid sense of place and ambiance or an atmosphere that comes through very strongly. I also really love the way he um, captures how people might speak and how people might think even and particular voices. Voices are very distinct. And I kind of wish that that had been almost present in a better way in, in, in all of the stories. Because as you said, um, the the consistency of the, the quality of stories isn't always uniform. Some are really, really good. Some feel like they need quite a bit more work. Um, and that overall, I think, brings me to one of the issues with this volume, which isn't really, I think, on the author necessarily, mm. in that it needs to have been edited better. There are issues across the board, right? There are issues that are as basic as spelling or, or grammar issues, all the way to perhaps needing an actual editor to go through some of the stories and tighten up the plot to perhaps give feedback on how the stories can be better presented even. Um, so I think this volume of actually volume of short stories that has a lot of potential was let down by how it's been put together. Yes, uh, I, I would agree with that. I think that it sounds like nitpicking, I think, sometimes to say that a volume or a volume of stories or a story or a book even could have been better edited. But I think um, here on our show, we've spoken lengthily about how we think editors are unsung heroes and it's a very important task. And aside from what you mentioned, I think you want to know when you're reading something whether it was a stylistic choice or whether it was something that uh, was perhaps missed in the editing. And in some instances, especially when we swap in terms of the voice um, from the first person to the third person voice or when there is a change of name. Especially for somebody like me, who doesn't necessarily belong to the culture that many of these stories are set in, there are nuances that I worry I'm missing. I'm like, is that a nickname perhaps that I'm not understanding? Um, is that a way to refer to one's mother that I'm not familiar with, for instance? And I think that it would be clarifying for readers like me to not... Eh? take a break, go Google and come back and go, oh, actually, I, I don't think I needed to have done that. I think that might have been just something missed in the editing. So I agree that the editing could have been tightened. Having said that again, I thought we could talk about some of the stories that were successful because I think the ones that were good were really excellent and gave a lot of gave a strong glimpse as to what a more tightly edited volume could have looked like. I have some that have stayed with me for days after I read them. Um, you know, we've talked about Masalo Day before in a previous um, anthology, but others that really came across and made me think and ruminate on the people that were present in the story. Um, there's one called The Ride, which is about a young boy who grows up in, who um, grew up in Samping Flats in KL and how that impacts his school going experience. I love that so much. Um, the other one I really liked was a story called To the Charama, which, uh, which is centered around three women of three different ethnic backgrounds, three, uh, maybe even four, actually, who attend um, a charama, a political charama, and the, the little sort of barbs and conversations that happen between them that is somehow 
not about race, but also thoroughly about race. Um, and I, I I like those kinds of little clever touches that Paul brings up in his stories. Uh, because I think in both of those stories, the way that it felt to me anyway, and I agreed with you, uh, I, I don't feel like uh, we need to speak too much about Masalode, even though we both really enjoyed it and enjoyed it in the previous anthology that we read it in even. Um, but with both The Ride as well as To the Chirama, um, in both instances, it felt as as if we were on the precipice of something, as if the whole story is sitting on top of something much deeper and darker that nobody wants to acknowledge. In one story, it actively goes there, but in the other, it appears to be just a sort of friendly little neighbourhood tale, something that in a week from now, these women will have forgotten. But you know that this encounter has left scars. And that is how that story read. I also think that in both of those stories, the things that we mentioned earlier in which Paul really excels, the the slice-of-life approach, the descriptiveness of the, the language, the tightness in some ways of the storytelling, the fact that every moment, every little look, um, every incident in there, every detail feels necessary. And I really appreciated that about those stories. Uh, similarly, in terms of what is said and what goes unsaid. I enjoyed Salama and the Karit Prawns quite a bit because I just enjoyed that so much as a study of passive-aggressive parenting. <laughs> Oh, Selema's, Selema and the Karit Prawns is such a good one because it feels so familiar, right? Um, it's the story of an older woman who is clearly quite resentful of her son and his marriage, but also how he then um, relates to her and the positions she holds in his life. I don't want to give away what happens. And it all centers around, again, something very familiar, food, a mother wanting to cook for her son. Um, or does she? Oh, yes, exactly. So it's it's such a tightly written story and all emotions. And I think really um, looking back at the anthology, the highlights of them, the highlights of the book is clearly the ones where it's this, the, the slice of life with so much roiling underneath. It's when perhaps the stories attempt to do something a little bit more experimental or sort of moves away from the slice of life and tries to, I, I don't know, perhaps be more dramatic that they didn't quite work for me. So what I wanted to say, um, because I think ultimately it comes down to this, right? Would you recommend the book or not? And I think that um, for me, I started off our, our sort of mini review by saying that what I really appreciated about it was the themes that it was trying to explore, right? Whether or not they work universally, I think we've established maybe not so much for us, but the themes that uh, Paul is clearly actively interested in, actively wanting to explore, made me think about the people that I encounter in my daily life a little bit differently, made me feel more empathy, even more closeness to just the people that you might pass. Um, you you might pass a person in a school uniform and think, ah, I wonder how your day's gone. Um, you might pass somebody selling something at a market and think, mm, I wonder what interactions you've had today. And I think that it is the interest um, in the people that surround us that kind of populate our city and our villages and the kinds of descriptions that go into that that make this book for me something I would recommend because it does the thing that you want fiction to do, which is that it creates empathy. Oh, I always enjoy books when I read feel that feel local, right? I can um, I feel like I've been in the place that it's describing. I've heard the people that it's um, that that are talking to me through the pages of the book. And if that's something you enjoy, then I think this collection would would really. Um, 
be something you could get into, especially if you were raised in Malaysia, uh, in that sort of urban slash non-urban spaces. I think there's a lot there. I just really do wish that it had been presented to us better. And I think it's perhaps something publishers need to be more careful about and, and put more effort into because really you do take away from an author's work when these invisible or so-called invisible aspects aren't paid attention to. So we have been reviewing uh, Paul Nyanis Selvam's The Elephant Trophy and Other Stories. It's an anthology of short stories. Uh, let us know, have you read it? Do you in general enjoy short stories set in Malaysia? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.